Hey everyone, you're listening to the Queens of Hustle podcast. In this podcast, me and my guests will be exploring fitness, culture, business, media, and everything in between. My name is Kiana and I am your host. I'm a professional pole dancer, fitness trainer, and social media manager with a background in journalism and a degree in communications. I am extremely passionate about personal development and talking to other queens about their dreams, hustle, mindset, motivation, and success, as well as valuable lessons they have learned throughout their experiences. Here is a space where we can have healthy and expansive conversations that can help you in the next step of your journey. Let's get started. Hey everyone, you are back for another episode of the Queens of Hustle podcast. My name is Kiana and I am your host. So today we have a very exciting episode. As you may or may not know, I've been uh, away for the past month uh, in Montreal, Canada, visiting friends and family after almost two years of living in the UK um, because I moved to the UK in February 2020, right before the pandemic kicked off. So I actually was unable to go back home for a long time. But uh, naturally, after my second vaccine, I booked my flight and I got to spend a lot of uh, time with my friends and family back home and it was absolutely amazing. If you want to get a little highlight reel of uh, some of the things I was up to, you can see it on my Instagram at Kiana Walker. So while I was in Montreal, I reached out to Saskia Klunder, who is um, a pole dancer that I follow based in Montreal. She's a professional and I asked her if she wanted to train together, which we did. We had so much fun. And I also got to sit down with her and interview her about her pole journey. So Saskia is a pole dancer, competitor and instructor based in Montreal, Canada. As a young artist from ages three to 13, she immersed herself into the world of dance where she practiced contemporary hip-hop, belly dance, and traditional African dance. In her teenage years, her dedication to performance led her to theater arts. Saskia then went on to utilize her post-secondary education to further explore her interest in entertainment. Once she attended her first pole class in 2014, she was instantly hooked. She fell in love with both the beauty and strength which defines the art of pole dance. Within a year, she was working as a pole instructor and training for her first competition. Over the years, she has won multiple awards in pole in both Australia and Canada. She has also shared the stage with Snoop Dogg as one of his recurring pole performers during his doggy style tour. How sick is that? I can honestly go on about her for ages, but I will stop here and let her share her story. Here is Saskia. Hey Saskia, how's hey, it going? I'm good, how are you? I'm great, thank you so much for uh, coming on as a guest for the Queens of Hustle podcast. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to first start um, asking you about your passion, okay? Because that's something that I ask everyone when they come onto the show. What sets your soul on fire? Ooh, hmm. Uh, I don't even know how to, how to start answering that. Um... <laughs> What sets my soul on fire? Uh, I feel like there's like this feeling, I don't know, this is like really cheesy, but like that feeling when you're dancing and like you really forget that anything is happening around you and you almost get like shivers because like a song just like really connects to you or whatever. 
Um, but yeah, like I feel like there have been a few moments like that or like when someone recognizes that you've put in a lot of work in something and they're like, good job. And you're like, oh my God, yeah, I did it. You know what I mean? That feeling of like, I feel like that with all pole dancers have that like when you get a new move or whatever, like that's the, that's what like lights your fire, you know? Absolutely. For sure. And we just finished a little uh, static private lesson. Yeah. Was your soul set on fire after teaching? Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. There's a bunch of things that I wanted to work on for a long time. So I'm stoked that I got like the actual like coaching, knowing the steps and the right order and all that stuff. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm stoked to work on that stuff. So I have given the audience a little bit of a, a background about what you do, but in your own words, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I, pole is my life. <laughs> I, I teach pole from, I teach private lessons mainly at the moment from my home, from my living room in Montreal. Uh, I was lucky enough over the course of the pandemic to kind of transition out of studio teaching and into more private coaching um, mm. in my home, which is really sweet because it's just a lot more convenient for me. Uh, and I'm able to, it's kind of like personal training in a sense. It's different than teaching group classes because I watch my students progress individually and I can really like tailor their class plans to them and their needs, their abilities and strengths and weaknesses. So I feel like in that sense, it's been really, really cool to learn about how to teach different people nice yeah and then I also work as a stripper in a club in Montreal and yeah so I'm always dancing on the pole love that that's the best life that's the dream yes (laughs) yes exactly so can you tell us about uh your journey of getting into pole dancing yeah so I um I feel like I had always wanted like I had wanted to try pole for a long time like Many people think about it for like years, I feel, before they actually sign up for a class. Absolutely, because of the social stigma. Yeah, totally. Sure. And like, I felt like I needed like a friend to go with me or something, you know? So it was like in 2014, and I had already been going to the gym for a few years, and I am also naturally flexible, and I'd been dancing since I was a kid. So when I tried my first class, I definitely felt right away like it was something I. I could do I felt like I obviously if you have an understanding of your body everything physical is easier (laughs) you know so I yeah and like I got really lucky because the owner um her name is Alex Lacroix she was the old owner of alternative fitness where I started training and she really like took me under her wing and she like I remember one time I was in class and she said to one of the other coaches like this is the future champion of Canada and I like I like literally got goosebumps just saying that now because I remember being like in that moment being like this is what my life is supposed to be like that like I figured it all out you know what I mean and like all it's funny because you in that moment she didn't realize what she was doing by Mm -hmm. saying that but that like changed my life you know and like yeah yeah I've told her and like definitely she doesn't do pole anymore um so every once in a while I like send her a message and be like hey I like I have this success or whatever like thank you you know yeah I think she's really proud of me for for sure sure. yeah but yeah like uh I was really lucky that she she took me under her wing and she like pretty much because she saw that I was like a poor waitress was like if you want to teach like bachelorette parties in exchange for your coaching I'm happy to do that so I didn't have to pay for my lessons 
from like three months in, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I got really lucky in that sense that she saw potential in me and was like, you're passionate about this. I need more coaches and I will coach you if you coach other people. And I was like, yes, 100%. Like all I want in life is to be a pole teacher, you know? So then I, I feel like it was, you know, right place, right time right people that That's you meet. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I also had a mentor back in Australia. Her name is Amy, um, Amy Colbert. And same, same as you, like having someone that really believes in you yeah. can make such a huge difference. Such a difference. Um, and like, yeah, we also had like a bit of like a mentorship program that we did between each other. And it definitely helped me to, to first of all, understand the pole world. Yeah. Um, how to function as a professional. Yeah. Um, and of course it gave me a lot of confidence in yeah. myself because she saw that I, I could have a future in yeah. that. And that makes just all the difference. Because I feel like people don't even realize that it's a job that you can have. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And like, I was like, oh, like, this is something I can do. Like, oh, I can actually, like, if I follow these steps, I can eventually, I can follow my dreams. And that's actually possible, you know? Like, I feel like when I started pole and I wasn't like a pro yet or whatever, people would be like, but like, what future do you have with like teaching pole? Like, can you really survive off that? And I was like, always said... I'm going to be a pole star. I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to teach people all over the world. And I feel like I was saying it out of spite to be like, fuck you telling me what job I can or cannot do. I'm going to be a pole star. But it's like, I manifested it. You know what I mean? And like, now I'm like, yeah, I feel like I like laid the groundwork without really realizing. Cause I was like, I'm just going to show people what I can do, you know? And it's all fake it till you make it, you know? A hundred (laughs) percent though. Like a lot about manifestation is that. And it is, you know, if you want that job, dress as though you already have that job. Yeah, exactly. Think and speak as if you already have that yeah. job and it will literally happen. Yeah. Like it's just the law of attraction. Yeah. I love that. Are you into that manifestation? Are you- yeah. I didn't, I feel like I used to think it was kind of like hokey and whatever, yeah. but the more I live by like mm. by it and like, just like, like you put thoughts out, out there and you put your goals out there mm-hmm. and you write your goals down and you like make them concrete and they're not just ideas anymore. They do come true. You know what I mean? Amazing. Like you make a list of the pole moves you want. If you don't make that list, who's holding you accountable? Absolutely. You know what I mean? But once you make that list, it's on paper and you're like, oh, I should work on that. I should do this. I should do that. You know, like mm-hmm. making your goals concrete is like, I feel like part of that, you know? Definitely. And speaking of accountability, just because of course, when it comes to pole dancing and becoming a professional, you need to be accountable over yourself. Yeah. When it comes to your sleep, your, your diet, your training, everything. Yeah. Do you have any tips and tools or some, some uh, bits of advice that you can give to some people who struggle with accountability? I feel like for me, I went through a, a, I kind of had a weird struggle with like the first few years of pole. I thought, to be a pro, I had to eat, sleep, and breathe pole. Mm. I thought I had to eat like a bodybuilder and dance 24 seven. You know what I mean? Like I had stopped drinking. I was dieting like crazy. And I just, and teaching like so many hours a week, training for comps, not living my life because I thought this is how I had to be, to be a professional pole dancer. Mm -hmm. And I started hating it. You know what I mean? And I got really unhappy. And that's when I chose to go traveling and I went to Australia for a year and I was kind of like an escape to escape the, the like job because I was like, I took what I love and turned it into a job. How did I do that? So I was like, I need to escape it and make it something I love again. Or in my head, I didn't even know that's what I was doing, but I was escaping pole and I got to Australia and 
within like the first five months I took one pole class and I then I ended up in Sydney and I finally like booked a private like a, a studio rental and I went to a studio and realized how much strength I had lost in the five months that I hadn't trained and realized that that didn't make me happy either you know mm-hmm. like I needed to experience both extremes to realize that like balance is really really important and everyone says it all the time like but and it sounds cheesy whatever but like you can't pole dance seven days a week and you also can't not pole dance any days of the week and be a pro. You need to live your life still. You need to take rest days. And that's not just one rest day a week. That's like, if you want to go camping for a week or you want to go on vacation for two weeks and eat and drink for two weeks, you're not going to come back from your two weeks and be useless. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like we get in this like headspace where like, if I don't, if I don't keep this certain standard up, I'm going to like lose all my strength or all my flexibility, which is like, obviously within reason you want to keep up your, you want to maintain all your stuff. But that's what I think is the most important is like not scheduling stuff every single day and like making sure that like being, doing pole and being a professional pole dancer is like who I am, but it's not every single day all day long everything I do because you start to hate it like any job you know like and the whole reason I picked this job was because it's something I like Mm -hmm. once it starts to be like yeah yeah once it starts to be like something you have to show up to do all the time it's not but like then within saying saying that at the same time you do need to make a schedule and stick to it because otherwise you won't you know what I mean so I guess what I'm saying is I make myself a schedule every week like I make my schedule on the weekend for the following week including my own personal trainings like training times I set times and if I put myself on a schedule I show up the same way I should would show up for a client love that but I just don't put it as much as I used to I used to I feel like I used to be like I'm gonna train five days this week even if I don't feel like it, which is garbage. Like, why are you dancing if you don't feel like it? I feel you. I feel <laughs> you know? It's all about that balance. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, something I learned a lot over the pandemic as well because I had time to reevaluate my time and my priorities. Mm-hmm. And I really was like, oh, why am I putting time into this stuff I don't care about and not putting it into, like, conditioning and stretching and, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to take it back to when you were at Dawson College because weirdly enough, we were going to Dawson College at the same time, but we didn't know each other back then. So I was studying communications, you were studying theater. Can you tell us about your whole theater experience? And I'd love to know how you were able to transfer over those skills into your pole performance life. Definitely. Um, So the, uh, the theater program at Dawson is three years and it's definitely really really intense like they they make you feel like the acting industry is gonna be like really really hardcore and you're gonna have to work 24 7 and you're gonna be like unhappy and that's just the way the industry is it's like they really I think they're kind of trying to trying to change their approach now but it's definitely like a work 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 I was there from like 8 a.m to 10 p.m most of the time because Mm -hmm. like you do your classes until six and then you do your tech so you're like doing costumes or like building sets or whatever for all the plays of the years above you and stuff. So a lot, it was, it definitely gave me a really good work ethic. You know what I mean? Like, cause you're working so, so hard and it's a program where if you're not in the certain like level, if you're not getting a certain amount of good grades, how do I say that? You know what I mean? They kick you out. Like Uh, we started with 36 people and we graduated with 16. So 36 yeah. down to 16. Yeah. 
Oh so, my god, yeah. that's like literally more than half. Yeah, so and it's out. always like that, apparently. That's insane. Yeah. I never even like knew about that dropout rate. Yeah, it's pretty intense. And I don't know if all the other, all the programs are like that or the, what, like they used to only accept like 20, 25 people and then the pro, the school started being like, no, you need to accept more people than that. Mm. And like, I feel like a lot of people just can't handle it because you can't have a job unless you're working Saturday and Sunday. Like a lot of my friends... Like, I lived with my parents during CJEP, so I was fine. I only moved out when I was 20, but, like, a lot of my friends were, like, were, like, one of them worked at Dairy Queen on Saturday and Sunday. One of them worked at, like, Forever 21. You know what I mean? You're, like, can't, you can't live off that even if you work a full week, let alone two days a week. You know what I mean? So it's, like, really, really, it forces you to work really, really hard. Luckily, I didn't have a job, so I was, like, working a little less hard, but... Um, but yeah, that like definitely gave me a great work ethic. And then also just like, obviously the performing, I've always loved performing. Like since I was a little kid, I've always known that like, I want to be on stage. I didn't really know in what capacity, but, um, I love performing and it just, it was like, teaches you about building a character and telling a story. And like, we did plays obviously, but we did like scene studies and like prop, um, manipulation and like things like that you learn how to like um weird things you know like move wearing a skirt or like things like that that you wouldn't really think would translate over but they have helped me so much with like and like creating routines I have always been aware that like obviously you need to use the whole stage obviously you need to engage with the audience obviously if you have a prop on stage you use it there's nothing there for no reason. I'm not just going to have a hat and throw it in the audience. Like, why are you wearing a hat? You know what I mean? Like things like that, that I see pole comps sometimes. And I'm like, why are you wearing a hat? Like it it makes no sense. Or like, like how many pole routines am I going to see where someone's just wearing sparkles? You know what I mean? Like it's not enough anymore. Like in our industry now, like people are going all all the way. So you need to have like extra, yeah, like props and a story and a character. And I think that's what has made me do well in competitions is because like, I'm not just dancing. I'm telling a story or I'm like to think I am, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to tell a story and like, yeah, like that's, I feel like that's the main, the main thing is like realizing that like a dance is just as much of uh, a, you can tell just as much of a story through a three minute dance as you can through a two-hour play like mm-hmm. it's finding that arc and for sure all that stuff, yeah. and uh speaking of comps mm-hmm. you have one coming up soon yes you have a dance filthy comp coming yeah. in november right yes so where is this taking place and is this your first dance filthy yes my first dance filthy uh in tampa florida that one. Oh. florida i can't speak um so yeah it's my first ever competition outside of canada which is crazy. I'm really excited. I was like planning to try to get into some US comps in like 2019 and then, well, 2020, and then COVID happened. So I obviously put that on hold and I wasn't really planning on doing this comp. And then um, some like documentary contacted me and was like, we want to film five pole dancers <gasps> preparing for... I know someone else that's Yeah, that's doing this documentary. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they were like, will you do a competition? Are you doing a competition before December? And I was like, yeah, I'll find one to do. Oh, so, my God. Okay, that... Yeah. This is just, like, that's a shock to me. Just because, yeah. like, I, I thought you just had Dance Filthy coming up. I didn't know it was yeah, part so, of, a, of a documentary. That is so, so yeah, it's just, like, it's crazy because, like, I'm like, not only am I doing 
my first international competition and going to Florida, which is like the COVID capital of the world right now. Like it's like not the best time to go to Florida. So those two things stress me out. And then also the fact that I'm going to have like a film crew with me. I'm like, I'm already like embarrassed. Goals, girl. You can put that on your CV. Like you're in a professional documentary. Yeah, I'm like, like uh, I'm like definitely a little like like freaked out about. Hey, honestly, like this is so good for your for your. Career. Yeah, like, that's that that's absolutely like goals. Yeah, honestly. I'm really excited can, about can it. Can you share a little bit more about this docker? Is, uh, is all it I know, all I know is that they're going to be following like five pole dancers over the process of preparing for a competition up until the day of the comp. And they just reached out to you on Instagram. Um, yeah, they sent me an email. Like I did an I I did an interview um for some like online like forum few months back where I was talking about my opinions of in the pole industry um against sex work and like people trying to distance themselves from strippers and how that's fucked up and essentially they took one of my quotes and made that the title of the article which was if you don't respect strippers then get off the pole (laughs) and I feel like I didn't realize I was saying something so iconic in the moment you know yeah like this woman contacted me she's like so I read your article and I'm really interested in putting you in this documentary I was like okay I said the right thing you know what I mean and I love that like you were just speaking from the heart yeah it just like it literally like gave you all these opportunities just because you exactly but that's what I feel like and I have goosebumps like like you look at my hair and my arm right now like actually like like moments like that and I felt the same when you contacted me you know what I mean and I was like things just like it's just a snowball effect you know like and it's for it's from just putting yourself out yeah there. putting yourself out there yeah, and like absolutely. being vocal about your opinions and being willing to share your opinions even if they're not always the most popular opinions 100% because like that's something for sure like also like the idea of changing our vocabulary in terms of what we're calling heels pull you know what I mean mm. and like there's still a lot of people who are like very push pushing back about not using the word exotic and i'm like why why are you so fucking adamant about using this word like what does it matter to you what does it matter but a lot of people like if you know that it also is offending people people or negatively even if you don't understand it why like like, just stop just stop using it because you know that not not, like some people are just aren't on board with it like it just some people are weird, man. Yeah. Some people are weird. And that's it is like, I've been, I like, I'm doing some workshops and I changed all my, the names of my workshops. I essentially teach the same thing, but yeah. I'm just not calling them anything exotic related. For sure. And, um, that's a choice I made. And then one of the studios kind of just like renamed my workshops mm. and I was like, cause I guess that that's more marketable to them to still call it exotic flow. Mm. And I was like, first of all, it's not flow cause it's a choreography. Like there's no flow in there. They're just copying what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And it's like, and I've chosen to stop using the word exotic. So can you not? And yeah. like, yeah, it's like a bit of a bit of a weird thing. But, that is um, weird. And it's the conversation is still that? that they they were willing to like change it back. They okay. didn't realize that I had like changed the names of my workshops because they were using my like old workshop package. But yeah, it was. It's just kind of like the kind of thing that we need to be um, willing to have that awkward conversation and be like, oh, actually, I don't really want you to call my class that, even mm-hmm. though that's how you think what you think I'm doing, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I've chosen to stop using that word, and this is why, you know, like, for sure, and you have to be upfront about all, yeah. all these things, because especially when it comes to pole, like, I feel like we need to be pioneers of yeah. inclusivity, we need to it's be the so pioneer. new, it's so important as well, yeah. and like, same thing with uh, gender pronouns, 
anything, totally. anything that has to do with, you know, racial minorities, different types of body types. Yeah. You just need to be more in, inclusive yeah. and make sure that no one... And calling people space. out. Yeah. Calling people out when they're doing weird fucked up shit too. Like I used to teach For with sure. a girl who would just be like... Like, there was, like, be two Asian girls in class, and she would call them, like, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, <laughs> And no. I was like, why? Why are why? you? Like, that's so awkward. Yeah. Like, weird things like that where it's like, yeah, people need to sometimes be put in their place because they don't realize. But there's if there's no one else in our industry who's going to do it, like, we have to do it, you know? Like, Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are scared to to piss people off, but, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love that. Um, and can you, going back to Dan's Filthy, um, mm-hmm. can you give us maybe a little uh, teaser of what we should expect? Yeah. Um, whatever you're comfortable with, because I'm fully aware that yeah. uh, some people want to keep everything a surprise, which I totally respect. But um, if there's anything that you can share, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, so the theme of Dan's Filthy this year is Guilty Pleasures. Ooh, so it, it. my proposed performance piece, um, I guess my character description is glamorous stripper counting her money on her day off yes. while smoking weed and my the weed is my guilty pleasure which is like it's funny because this was kind of a, just a, all my routines start off as a joke and then I'm like I guess I'm really doing this so <laughs> but funny. like yeah like I, I it's just me really a stripper counting her money on her day off smoking <laughs> weed I'm like I'm just playing an exaggerated version of myself with like much more glamorous outfit. I cannot <laughs> wait to see this. Like, oh my gosh, it, like there, there needs to be obviously a video because I, yeah. I cannot, and I'll definitely share it because that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm hoping it turns out. It's like going to be the first, I mean, I have yet to fully solidify everything in my routine yet, but it's going to be, I think, the first time that I try to bring my like full spatchcock to the stage. Oh, can't wait. By yeah. the way, Fat Talk ah. is my, my pole nemesis, in case yeah. anyone is wondering. Um, so uh, one day I'll book a private yeah. this time, and we'll have a spatchy lesson. Oh my god, yeah, uh, well, we can jam before you leave Montreal, for sure. Please, yeah. yes, 100%, because I need to get this. I, I have gotten so used to the variation now. Yeah. I do the spatchcock variation, and that is just my spatchcock. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to do a spatchcock, so maybe we'll be able to yeah. jam before I leave, because um, I have two weeks left in Montreal um so going back to uh, competing do you have any advice for anyone that is wanting to compete but th- they, they just don't know where to start yeah actually I mean I have um <laughs> I mean I have a YouTube channel there's only like six videos on there but I did make a full video that is like how my method for creating a pole routine Ooh, and it's actually yeah. very similar to how I would create any kind of dance routine um or like I, I take I took a lot of what I learned in theater school I guess and and used it in that in the sense of taking like first you need to find your song and break it down into the sections and where you want to pick your tricks and put your best tricks at the best moments of the song and then fill in the blanks and all that stuff so I do have like um, a video that is my complete method if anyone is interested in that um, I'll actually um, link that in the show yeah, notes cool. so awesome. um, I'll make sure to get that from dope. you dope sweet um, but yeah I feel like in terms of competing, the main thing that I always recommend and I try to take my own advice is just because you think a trick is really impressive doesn't mean the, the judges are going to think a move is really impressive. Like, mm. like for me, I know that static is really hard for me. So when I get static combos, I'm way more proud of my static combos than I am of like spin moves that are potentially technically more advanced. 
Yeah, so you're more comfortable you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so yeah, okay. I feel like people often are like, "Oh, I just learned how to do a Russian split. I should put it in my routine because it's the hardest trick I know how to do." But yeah. like, you struggling to do a Russian split is a lot less impressive than you doing a jade split at ease. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'd much rather see people do things they're good at than struggle to do things they're they've just figured out or they're still working on and stuff. For so sure. that's why I say like, it's not set in stone yet. I'm trying to get my spatchcock into my routine, but. If it comes down to it and I feel like it's not working, mm-hmm. I'm just going to scrap it and wait another year or whatever. You know what I mean? Like at that point, it's more important to be confident in your routine than to be like, hope I get that one move. Like yeah. you don't want to be thinking when you're walking on stage, like, oh, I just, just hope I get my spatchcock. Just hope I get my spatchcock. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. You want everything to be literally. hundred percent. Like you're doing it with your eyes. Exactly. It's almost like just muscle memory. Yeah. Well, that's why I say For unless, sure. unless I can do a move 10 times in a row, I wouldn't include it in a routine. Mm. Absolutely, like, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. I did have this floor work combo that I did once um, in the Australian Pool Championships that uh, was definitely like too hard for like for, for my level of comfort. Yeah. Um, I did nail it like on on the day. day, but it was very it was stressful. So much stress. Yeah. And I also, okay, this is one of those experiences where I'll never do it again. But I I did. I put in two back handsprings in my um, in my routine. It was a traveling move, so I put two back handsprings in there. And then after I in rehearsals, I was like half of my rehearsals. I was only able to do one, half of my rehearsals. So that means I'm not hundred yeah. percent. If you can't get it in every no. rehearsal, don't put it in. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. On the on the comp, only did one. Yeah. Apparently, it wasn't obvious to everyone but like my mentor Amy um she did I think well she did notice it uh, like obviously because yeah. she was the one Watched that the whole, saw yeah. my routine so many times but and I was upset yeah because I was like wow I didn't even get get and my you made my yourself upset I'm like why did I even yeah. need those two yeah. I should have just done one and yeah. maybe Maybe I could have even done like another traveling move after, or yeah. did, did a back walkover then a back handspring. Like it didn't have to be a double back handspring move. I was just so obsessed with that idea. Yeah, exactly. And I think it probably ended up looking more messy yeah, than exactly. anything. So love that piece of advice. Yeah. It's really really important. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would love to know in the future, are there any like competitions on your bucket list? Because like for example, me, I haven't done any PSO. Uh, which what is, you haven't done any PSO? I only started competing in Australia. Oh, okay. So yeah, I only competed true. in Australia so far, and then after I moved from Australia yeah. to the UK, and then we went into COVID. Yeah. So I've actually never even competed in the UK. Oh my god. I've only competed in Australia. Okay, shit. So I'm like, I'm I'm still new to the competing yeah. world because okay. I've only done it. I've only done what like three big comps in Australia. Okay, cool. Um, so I would uh, so PSO is obviously on my bucket list. Yeah. Can you uh, tell me it's pole sport organization? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm assuming you've done PSO. Yeah, yeah. I've done a few PSO yeah. comps. Um, PSO is I I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I've kind of uh, I maybe it's because I did virtual PSO comps, so oh. I feel like I'm less into it now during during the pandemic they had they still continued to do comps like every month but Mm -hmm. they were just virtual so I feel like there was just kind of too many comps happening yeah considering that it was just watching people's videos in their homes or rented studios and I feel like it was it's not really like the same when you're competing against a very small pool of people and like because they have so many levels and so many divisions there's tons of categories with less than five people in them 
Oh, what yeah. the hell? Yeah, so, That's like, good. a lot of my students, like, they'll start off with PSOs, like, level one, two, and three, because it's a really good place to start, because, like, it's one of the only organizations that does, like, really basic level levels for competing. Yeah. Um, but, like, I have a lot of students who've done, like, level one, two, and three. Levels one and two, there's often, like, three people in the level. And so you're, so like, you're, you're guaranteed yeah. a medal, which yeah. I find is, like, not really rewarding. It doesn't feel great when you're, no. like, cool, I came third out of three. Thanks. <laughs> you know? Like, that medal is just, like, a slap in the face a little bit. Like, there was yeah. one that I got second out of two. Yeah. And I was, like, cool, second place in level five should make me feel good. But there was only two, two of us. Yeah. And she beat me. <laughs> like That's just proof that... It's yeah, a money grab, in my opinion. Oh. Like, it's probably, like, hopefully they won't hear this podcast. Oh, but I mean, like, this is not big. This isn't that big. But, like, I mean, whatever. It's my opinion, too. I do feel like they realized, like, PSO, they, I don't know who's they, but, like, realized within the past, like, five years that, like, oh, if we do a comp in every fucking state every month, we can get this much money, and, like, all we have to do is, like, organize it and rent the venue and run the show. But mm-hmm. will they make most of their money off of the performers you know yeah, what I mean because you need to pay to be in to it be in it which yeah I, I, and it's like you don't have you don't have to get you don't have to um submit a video or anything you just pay and you're in oh so to me it's kind of like okay I don't really it doesn't to me the a PSO medal doesn't mean quite as much gotcha. as as like something that there's less divisions less categories less levels less so that's why, like, Dance Filthy, there's three levels, and there's, I think, max 10 people in each level. Wow. You know, okay. and we had to submit a video and get chosen. I don't know how many people applied, but, like, the fact Still that I got loads. chosen makes me feel like I'm against some fucking good, like, I mean, I looked up the list of people, it's a fucking heavy roster, but... <laughs> I, I, I just look at the poster, but I'll never... Um, Insta- look up people? No, I know, I I'll shouldn't never have. Instagram them, I, I, it, it just, it fucks with me. This is the yeah. first time I've ever competed in, like, a level called professional. Like, I've done, like, the highest level, but it's never been, like, called professional. Yay! And I was like, okay, now I guess I'm a professional. And then I look, and, like, every single person I'm competing against is, like, Insta-famous. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> oh, my God! But oh, it's really it. cool, though. It's it really, it, cool. To feel like I'm on that list, like, it feels really cool love it I love that for you that's amazing so you're currently teaching online via zoom yeah in your your studio and then you're also uh stripping in a club called kingdom kingdom cabaret kingdom yeah yeah in montreal yeah so when did you decide to start stripping so sorry you mentioned that actually in australia Australia. um and what has that experience been like for you and how would you um compare the australian strip world to the canadian um yeah Um, well, I mean, like, I, I love stripping and I feel like starting working in a club is actually what took my skill level up so much. Like, I feel like I knew how to, I was definitely like a trickster before I was a stripper. I liked, I would come to class and I would want to learn tricks only and only on one side. And I didn't really like choreography. I didn't really like. I just wanted to show my cool tricks. Yeah. Um, and then I started stripping in, and where I worked in Australia, which is, it's so messed up that they did this now looking back. I'm like, they made us stay on stage for 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> and now I'm like, now I'm like, oh my God, I would never do that anymore. But How like, long is it now? Now I do a three and a half minute song and then I have a three and a half minute break and then I do another three and a half minute song. Wow. That's yeah, so much better. So much. And you can do good tricks in three and a half minutes if oh, you get 100%. a break. Whereas, like, there, I was like, you have to dance for 15 minutes straight. You've got to, like, 
figure out how to freestyle you know what I mean like so I like learned pretty quickly how to like like you know how to like uh, gauge your energy and like uh not gauge but like you know what I mean for sure like um, conserve your energy yeah exactly 15 minutes that's like a marathon Some, and sometimes you think you're gonna be done and then they don't send another girl on and like because that place it was just really unorganized wow uh, the club I work at like now is not like that at all sorry that's my alarm that's all good keep going <laughs> the club I work at like that is not like that at all um very much more organized but yeah there so you you just have to dance for that long you know what I mean so I was uh I learned pretty quickly how to how to just dance for that long and my freestyle skills improved so much and like that's what one of my first coaches said she's like you want to get better force yourself to freestyle and she was a stripper too and now looking back I'm like oh that's why she said that because mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what made her better you know when you're and also I still do that when I'm training and I want to force myself to like dance I'll be like dance the whole song and pretend there's a 360 audience Mm. and like pretend you're engaging with them and Mm. like don't stop till the end of the song because you wouldn't if you were at work if you get stuck in a weird position like you find a way out of it cute you know that happened to me at work some I randomly did an invert on my bad side which is just not I don't know how I ended up there and I was like oh fuck what am I doing I just had to like kind of try to get out of it cute whereas at home I would just like jump back down to my feet you know but I was like oh right I have to look kind of cute while I do this so like it, it makes, it forces you to work on your finesse. So what about like earnings? Is it the same in Australia as it is uh, here? Did you make more there? Uh, I'd say it's definitely hard to like really compare considering I only worked in a few clubs in either place. But from my experience, um, it was like you, it's, it averages out to like the same amount of money-ish. Okay. Um, de- like depending on how hard you work and how how good of a night it is obviously but um what's different is that in Australia where I worked and all the places that I know of that I worked at and that I heard of they work more in like 15 10 15 30 minute increments rather than songs whereas in Canada everywhere I've heard of you can still book someone for 15 minutes or whatever but for the most part it's like $20 a song or $15 a song um and like where I worked in Australia, another thing that I realized now was like really fucked up. And I, I learned from that, that that club was taking a huge cut of what I was making. Like they took like 40% of what I made. So say a dance, oh a dance cost tax included $110 for 15 minutes and they took 40 and I took 60 and 10 was tax. And yeah, for a 15 minute dance. So it's it's already hard to sell a 15 minute dance because it's a hundred dollars. You have to, you're trying to get someone to spend a hundred dollars, like just like that. It's a lot harder than trying to get to someone to spend 15, $20 on one song. And then once they're in the back with you, it's easier to like, kind of like entice them and keep them longer song by song, as opposed to getting someone to just like spend a hundred dollars flat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that difference. And then, yeah. So in Australia, they were taking 40% of what I was making and now where I work, I pay $20 about, like you pay more depending what time you start, but I pay about $20 flat to work and I keep everything I make. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Isn't that a crazy Go difference? Montreal. I'm yeah. sorry, but like yeah. th- th- they're for the dancers. Yeah, yeah know, exactly. Like, like, it's definitely like, there's obviously like things wrong with the industry all over the, all over the place, but it's just so different everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like, I feel like it's hard to like regulate because it's just so different everywhere. When I came to Montreal and started dancing at Kingdom, I was like, oh, fuck, like, 
this is dope. I make, I don't have to share near as nearly as much of my money <laughs> with yeah. the club. Like if you feel annoyed and you realize like, hey, if I made 600, they made 400. Like, fuck that. That's, That's wow. Yeah. So if there were anything um, that could make the industry better, do you have any suggestions? Oh, or? Yeah, like I don't even know. It's so hard to like, I feel like I haven't even been in, in the industry long enough to uh, have like really solid opinions about that. Okay, okay. But um, like, what about safety? Do you feel... Yeah, I, feel I like mean, are... I've always felt safe at the clubs I work at. Uh, the boun- There's always bouncers mm-hmm. that are there to, like, have your back. And if anything goes wrong, like, they're there and that's why they're there. I've never gotten into any weird, uncomfortable situations. But I've always also worked at, like, clubs that I... I mean, I guess that's not true. I didn't know where I was going when I was going to work in Australia. But, like, in Montreal, I knew Kingdom had a pretty good reputation when I decided to go work there. Like, kind of... I did a little bit of research about, like... I asked... Mostly just asked around, like, the dancers I knew where they worked. Mm -hmm. And in Montreal, there's two clubs that are definitely just, like... Just have a better reputation. So I just chose one of those two. Nice, nice. But, yeah, very good. You feel safe, for sure. And... I'm assuming that you've had some instances where you had to, you know, tell people that were close to you. Did you ever have any instances where people didn't agree with it or people tried to convince you to not do it? (laughs) And how do you handle situations like that? Because um, I can't speak for being a stripper, but as a pole dancer, you know, I've had some instances where I do feel like some people uh, don't respect what I do, um, even though like they're... It, it, it is literally just like a form of art. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, there are some moments where I have, I really felt like I had to defend it, mm-hmm. which I don't like doing, mm-hmm. but I still do it because I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. Some days, like, I really, I'm just not in the mood. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what I do. And I'm just like, whatever, take it or leave it. How, how do you kind of um, handle situations like that, especially with people that you care about? I mean, I've been really lucky in the sense that like my family's always been really supportive like when I started pole they were really really supportive they've always been supportive of any any kind of art or dance that I wanted to pursue um so I'm lucky in that sense and I always just had the mentality that if someone doesn't accept what I do then I don't really need them in my life love that and I I mean I've yeah I guess I've been lucky like I had one I had one ex then he I wasn't a stripper I had been doing pole for like four years when we were dating Mm -hmm. and I broke up with him because I wanted to be a stripper and he was like no that's like the that's like the final straw for me blah 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 final straw like that's such a weird way to put it I don't think he put it like that but (laughs) you know he he was just like no like not gonna happen yeah and like we Mm -hmm. and then I was just like hey well what actually what do I actually care about more and I cared more about that so I was like (laughs) I want to be a stripper like I love you but not that much so uh, yeah so I feel like I I mean I've just I haven't had a hard time uh just being like, fuck you if you don't agree with what I do. I've been lucky, though. Nice. I think a lot of people have a lot more pushback. You know, I have a lot of students who tell me stories, like, or, like, their parents don't know that they do pole lessons. Like, mm-hmm. they come here secretly or whatever. Or their boyfriends, like, don't let them post videos on their social media. Yeah. Like, yeah. fucking whack shit. I've come across that as well. And it's like, you don't want to tell them how to live their lives, but you're also kind of like... Yeah. Come on, girl. Like this is your life. Yeah. Like literally, do what you want. Yeah. Like if my partner ever had yeah. like, like told me to take down a video, I'd be like out the door. Yeah, like, seriously. Like you know, but so that's it's such a weird idea to police someone's like your partner in that like in that sense. Like I don't know. I just I definitely have a lot of 
have had that experience a lot with students where I'm just kind of like trying to be their teacher, but also like guide them to like, don't surround yourself with people who are going to shit on something if it makes you happy. Amen. It's not dangerous. Like, what are you, what, it's not hurting you. It's not hurting them. Mm-hmm. I love that. And where do you hope to go with pole dancing? Like, let's just say in the next uh, five, maybe 10 years, do you have any like goals that you're really trying to attain? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm right now I'm like saving up, hoping to open a studio. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, that's so yeah. exciting. Yeah, oh, my voice cracked there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I mean, that's been in my head for a few years. Obviously with COVID, I had to put it on the back burner because I couldn't save in the same way. Yeah. But now I'm back to working at the club. So I'm really just trying to save as much as I can over the next couple years and hopefully open like 2024 2025 i keep pushing years onto that but you know okay. eventually i'll okay. have to do it there's no there's um, no rush yeah you know? like pole's not going anywhere. exactly it's only getting bigger exactly so maybe you'll even be opening it up when like it really booms mm-hmm. then after like exactly you'll, yeah, you'll be laughing because so. i yeah and i i want to spend the next few years like traveling and mm-hmm. taking lessons and teaching lessons and i feel like it's just like i'm it's just kind of starting now that I'm I'm feeling like this is actually my full time job, you For know. Sure. So yeah. So I don't even know, but yeah, that's the plan. So exciting. Yeah. And may I know? Do you have like any places in Montreal that you're like scouting out, like in regards to like the districts, oh. like old that's Port? Actually, or? yeah, I don't know because um, I feel like I would probably open somewhere like NDG Westmount ish. Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably because there aren't really any pole studios in that yes. area. Tap into that market. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. And because I am first language English, like I, I speak French and I teach in French, but I feel like um, there is a there is definitely a market uh, for like people who don't speak French who want to learn pole in English. Yes, <laughs> you know what absolutely. I mean. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and that that's this neighborhood and Westmount as well. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And what are some like tips, tricks, and tools that you use for staying so motivated? Because like you, of course, are always training. You're always teaching. And for sure, it's energy draining. Um, yeah. I, I know as well because some days I do wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm dead. Like, yeah. h- how do you kind of give yourself that, uh, that boost? Um, I feel like... I mean, I make my schedule in advance. I force myself to stick to it whether I want to or not Mm -hmm. uh, within reason. If I realize I've planned way too much for myself, then that's also fair. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, um, and I, I mean, that's like the most basic way to put it. But Mm -hmm. also like, I let myself do what I want when I want in a sense. Like, I smoke a lot of weed and I drink a lot of coffee and like... (laughs) And if I, if I don't feel like dancing and I want to have a joint and a coffee first and I'll put it off for an hour and I feel like my, my session's going to be more productive if I do what I want to do first sometimes. And like, so you yeah. work out after so, smoking coffee. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That I like, is nuts. Oh <laughs> I didn't used God. to, I didn't used to when I first started pole, I like, cause I've been like a stoner since I was like 15, but I, 
I, when I first started pole, that was like the main time that I wouldn't smoke weed. Cause I was like, I can't do anything. I'm upside down. I'm so confused and like hurting <laughs> myself, you know? So I didn't for a long time. Um, but now I guess like, I just got, like, I don't do, I wouldn't do fucking crazy tricks when I'm high, you for know? Sure. But like, I usually, when I'm training, I'll spend the first 30 to 45 minutes just freestyling, like, in like sweats. Yeah. So I feel like oh. it kind of helps me like get out of my head and like, just be like, whatever. Right now it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. it's probably not going to be good anyway I'm just gonna like flow and whatever Mm -hmm. and that helps me like I like just warming up that way and yeah it's also obviously like an addiction at this point I'm like (laughs) like, I want to smoke my joint before I dance you get into habits it's just crazy because of course weed is that type of drug that really just makes you more chilled yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah. and like well and I think that there's sometimes like I I'm a very definitely a morning person in the sense that like I'll get a, I could smoke a joint and train in the morning, but if I smoke a joint after like 4 p.m., I'm not gonna train. Like okay, it's like okay. it's like I have to be in the right kind of mindset, early, fresh in the morning with my coffee. Like it's okay. like a kind of mix. Whereas like I'm not an evening person at all. If I like smoke a joint with a friend at like 3 4 p.m., then I'm done for the day. I'm like laying down. Yes. Maybe I'll stretch, but like unlikely still. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, but I am a sucker for quotes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. Do Do you happen to have like a quote in your head that really kind of resonates with you? Whenever you're just like wanting to. This is so funny that you say, because I was like, you know, when you, sometimes in the shower and you're like, one day someone's going to ask me my quote. Ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when I feel like, this happen? Like, I feel like in the past few weeks, I was oh like, my God. this is going to be my quote. Oh my God. Tell me your quote. Oh, it's so know. funny. It's so funny and cheesy. Uh, it's, oh, I, I, I love the cheese. <laughs> wait, let me think of how, how to phrase it properly. Um. If you don't take yourself seriously, no one else will. Oh, I like that. I like yeah, that and I feel like it's like I it has that. a lot to do with manifesting and a lot to do with like believing in yourself too. It's like very cheesy on all, all fronts. But like I feel like I took myself seriously as a pole dancer, pole performer, pole instructor, competitor way before anyone else did. Mm. And it was maybe a little embarrassing and cringy at the beginning, yes. but I didn't care. Cause I was like, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to post photos, post videos and post tutorials and whatever stupid captions. And like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do, you know? So that. yeah, I feel like if you don't believe in yourself, then yeah, no one else is going to believe in you. So yeah, there's another quote so, that is very, very similar, but it's um, if you don't bet on yourself, how mm-hmm. do you expect anyone else to? Yeah. So like bet on yourself. You exactly. Know I mean? Like be your, your own mm-hmm. cheerleader. Yeah. Because if you're like, oh, I yeah. suck. Yeah. I'm shit. Do you think people are going to want to back, like, no, back exactly. you? You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you think about um, Shark Tank or is that what it's called? Please yeah. tell me that's what it's called. Yeah. Shark <laughs> like Tank. Shark Tank. But look, when you think when they're trying to pitch an idea to get investors to invest thousands of dollars into their company or yeah, if they sound idea. unsure. Yeah, exactly. If they sound unsure and no one wants it, but if they like know their yeah. product, and in this instance, we are yeah, our product, own product. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you need to. We need to sell ourselves. Mm-hmm. I had um, Dan Rosen on the podcast a few uh, months ago, a couple months ago, um, and uh, he gave really good advice about this. He said that if you want to make it as a pro as a pro pole dancer. 
you need to find your best selling point, your your USP, unique selling point, and you need to market that because yeah. we're at that point in time now where, first of all, social media is just like the biggest it's ever been, mm-hmm. and everyone's good at pole dancing. That's what yeah. you said, which I I do agree. Before it used to be back in the day, it would be like a handful of good pole yeah. dancers, but yeah. now everyone's good. Yeah. So how are you going to stand out? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, totally. Um, uh, for me, yes, I do love dancing. I, I love flow. However, I know it's not my absolute forte. My forte is doing more tricks and acrobatic style. So even though, yes, I, 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 I'm not losing my, 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 my dance on, and all that, it's not what I teach the most yeah. because I know that I, I need to, my unique selling point in my opinion, I hope mm-hmm. is my style of tricks. Yeah. Maybe one day I can really feel like I, I, I can get my, my dance to level up to that. But at, at this point in time in my career, it's not that, yeah. you know what I mean? So find your unique yeah, selling totally, point. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's it. I think that's something that's really worked for me as well is like, I, I started realizing that I like I like flexible flexibility tricks and I like like low flow base work mostly in heels kips and like things like that and when I started like I like based my workshops around the things I enjoy doing rather than trying to like make workshops that I think people are gonna want to purchase you know what I mean like people don't want to learn a static combo from someone who doesn't isn't known for their static combos Mm -hmm. like it's like exactly what you're saying like find your niche and like obviously explore outside of your niche all the time but but there's so much yeah like when you figure out what you're good at and what you enjoy it's a lot easier to pinpoint yeah no totally totally and last question so I know that you have dance filthy coming up in November which I'm once again so excited about but is there anything else that you're looking forward to in the next in in the near future anything else oh I mean nothing specific I'm like hoping to just start booking more workshops throughout Canada I've got like a bunch in Ontario and a few out west but hoping to get oh, a few more yeah yeah Ooh, so yeah like i'm no no not in bc yet but um i'm in contact with a few studios in bc i'm gonna be in edmonton in june for pole theater okay pole theater canada so yes. um so Did you yeah apply it? well i was already a finalist in 2020 oh. when it got postponed and then yeah. postponed again or no yeah i guess yeah <laughs> so now it's in june 2022 and i so i already have like a, a spot in it which is awesome. sweet i don't have to make a video or anything nice but <laughs> yeah so that's already scheduled and that's it's really sweet i'm so excited because this year i get to teach workshops while i'm in edmonton oh, so it's like makes it a much more exciting little week weekend trip for sure so yeah. you have to compete you get to also teach, teach and then i'll probably take some lessons with some of the judges or whatever whoever is there so yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so fun. much fun yeah, i'm looking excited. forward to that yeah and lastly where can we find you for anyone that wants to follow you or see your work yeah uh well my instagram is just my name saskia clunder mm-hmm. um my website too if you want to find any info about like booking me for events or workshops or privates um i'm not accepting any new students until after dance filthy because i'm like so overwhelmed but uh, i do teach online privates and in-person privates for anyone who is in or around montreal and um yeah i mean if you go on my instagram i have a link tree and there's tons of links in there i won't bore you with all the links but yeah and i'll make sure to include all of the <laughs> you can just put my link tree yeah, in there that's good <laughs> sounds good thank you so much thank you that was awesome super nice to chat with you
Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Queens of Hustle podcast. As this is a passion project that I'm doing all by myself in my free time, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on the Apple Podcasts app or on Spotify. Feel free to share this episode on your social media or send it to someone you know who'd benefit from listening to this. Have an amazing day or night wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.